to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. They told me I couldn't, that's why I did. And Dale Hummel. Passion, not pedigree, will win in the end. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. You are in the, the happy stage at the Miss I America of everything. I am in a great mood. I am in Miss America, and it's been wonderful. It's not over, but it's been wonderful so far. And the best news is the rumor going around the pageant is that it is moving to Dallas, Texas next year. I, I will just be in heaven if it is. Like, I mean, nothing against... Uncansville, Connecticut, where I've been these past three you're, years. You're, but. You've explained to me you're kind of in a compound and you just don't go. Literally. Anywhere. Yeah, you just don't go. Anywhere. Like It's an hour and a half to anything. Like you're in this compound and like they have 40 restaurants and whatever. But yeah, no. But like if it's in Dallas next year, like they say it's going to be. Oh, my God. I'm just going to be the happiest old gay child in the history of the world. So so back to the compound that you're in. Obviously, the contestants are coming through the lobby up and down. Do, do you uh, run into oh, yeah. the contestants? Well, no, the contestants are all under security, but I mean, ah. you run into the EDs and their parents and stuff like that. But no, the only time you get to see the contestants are on stage or they have a visitation each night after prelims where you can spend like 30 minutes talking to your girl. But I don't do no, that. Not, not, the, the not the judges, obviously. No, like the parents and supporters and people from that state go Got up. It. and Oh, you're beautiful and you're doing wonderful and you're going to win when there's only going to be one winner. But anyway, I don't do that. I go to the bar. So. So, so they don't, they don't, they don't see they're pretty much locked in a room. They are at rehearsals or yeah, no, they're under constant guard. That's interesting to me. And, and the judges are sequestered at Same any thing. level? Or? Yeah, just like I was at Miss Texas. No, you, you, like the judges, you are in your room or somewhere is with you. Yeah, no, it's terrible. So is, is this televised live? Do we do can I? No, it is streamed, but it is not televised live. But yeah, so the, could the judges the watch the streaming playback and get the commentators' opinions on things? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch it again. Yeah, because they're like, I mean, I love pageants, obviously, but there are like people that I know here that like they'll be sitting there at the pageant and watch it all tomorrow night because it's all tomorrow night. And then they'll go to their hotel room and rewatch it again. Hmm. I'm like, they enjoy it. You just saw it. <laughs> well, well, just in case uh, uh, Chase decides to tune in here, we do have uh, Chase on with us today to talk a little bit about our main topic. And but sometimes he he feels obligated to to tune in on current events. Well, wow, I have so many current events. Yes, just you just jump in, jump right so in. So many current events. So first off, I, I I want to say this to all politicians, Democrats, and Republicans alike: no one gives a blank. If anyone goes visits the border, just fix the damn problem. You don't have to go visit the border to fix the problem. You can see the problem in all the video. I am so sick of Kevin McCarty saying that when he becomes speaker, how he's going to fix the border is he's going to take Democrats and Republicans. Nobody cares if you go visit the border. Just fix it. I think the whole, I think the whole point of that is, is no, there is is no point. Yes. If, if, if Biden goes to the border, he's acknowledging there's a problem, which he, no, he refuses to acknowledge. 
He knows that, there's a problem. I, he I knows there's a problem. It's, it's all about perception, and that is why they want to get. I agree with you. We all know Stupid. there's a big problem. It is dumb. I it is I do not I do not believe Joe thinks this is a problem. I believe it's absolutely. Oh, part he of the knows plan. it's a problem because I've never seen so much coverage over the border because Title Forty Two comes up next week, and when it's done, do you? I mean, I know you know, Dale, but I don't know if the listeners do. There are literally. I, I can't even tell you how many thousands of people laying in wait for Title 42 yeah. to go out next week to come across. And, and and even right now, the numbers are staggering without. Oh, that. since October, it's over 500,000. That is more since October, 500,000. There is that is more than the whole 2020 year total. No, but, the floodgates, the floodgates are open. And but Title 40, uh, this, they, and they, I, this whole Title 42 thing, it's a mess. And the courts have outlawed it. I don't know, which I don't even understand why. Because all Title 42 says is that if you are not from this country and you come into this country, then we can send you back to your country. That's what it says. Correct. But I, I think it's a uh, World War II era. It, it, it started then, and I think it prohibits entry into the United States if the Centers for Disease Control believes it to be a problem from a disease standpoint. That's the only thing that we're 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 kind of uh, pushing a little bit the the limits on. Is there still COVID? Absolutely. Is it still coming across the border? Absolutely. But yeah, it it, it doesn't need to be tied to disease. We just need a damn border. What what? How do we define a country without a border? How? I, I'm, I don't. I'm confused. This, I mean, like, this, I've never seen so much coverage. I mean, like, literally, it's all day, every day, on but, every. And, and and I don't doubt this is a headache for Biden, but I do believe he wants people coming across the border. I I believe the far left wants this to happen, and they I'm assume sure they they're going to vote for him at some point. That that is the I'm only. Sure. There is no other explanation. They have to see it. They cannot be that ignorant. I, I believe them to be ignorant, but not to this level. I'm sure they do want them to come in and maybe they think they're going to get more votes, whatever. I, I don't care. Is there but another like, explanation? I, I have no, to. there's really not. But like my, I, I just get so tired of both sides. Cause even the Democrats are putting pressure on the white house now that like, since title 42 said like something's got to be done. Like they, they've, you've got to put something else in place or do something or whatever. Cause like, this is going to be just, freaking like you know the craziest they, they, stuff they ever 20,000 plus a day coming across when that opens right. yeah that's, and that's so like, the, the numbers were like five million a year we cannot continue to absorb this many people and what i don't understand ryan they come over we process them give them a phone maybe a meal some money some clothes i, I don't i really don't know what happens yeah but i, I do know we give them a bus ticket or an airline ticket to go somewhere in the country but then how do they, are we still supporting them? Are we subsidizing them? Because technically as an employer, I don't, I don't think I can hire them. It's a mess. It is a monstrous mess. And I have no idea how this, this gets fixed. And, and again, that's the, that's the other thing that annoys me. Okay. Like Democrats are screaming. You've got to do something. Republicans have been screaming. So now they're screaming louder, but, in Kevin McCarty's, I'm going to fix it because I'm going to take everyone to the border. No, tell me what you're going to do after you take them to the border. Okay. Like what, what is the fix here? 
I and no one, no one has said, not even, I mean, I get why those five Republicans aren't voting for this man, it's for Speaker. I don't blame them. I think he's dumb. But anyway, uh, I, why not, can't any of them say, point to, I'm not saying all of Trump's border policies work, but some of them were very, very effective, extremely effective. Why don't they come out and say, this policy, this Trump era policy, and this Trump era policy, and this Trump era policy, if we would put, reinstate them, that will help us in this area, this area, and this area. Get a damn plan. Don't talk to me about dragging a whole bunch of politicians to the border. I'm I, angry over it. I, I get it. I'm with you. And, and I call this a, a, a restriction via pandemic, brought it on or allowed it. Or, I, I don't care if you keep 42. Let's just close the border. There, there is no explanation that allows this many people, immigrants, to come in across the river. If they want to come to a port of entry and they want to apply for political asylum or anything they want or, or try to get a green card or whatever, maybe a work visa, Just let's just make a legal way for people to come in and it's organized and it's documented where the drug cartel doesn't control it. They don't, they're profiting more off of bringing immigrants to, to the river than they are off the drugs right now. And the drugs are flowing so freely when all of our border agents are tied up processing. And Biden wants $4 billion more billion to get more people down there to process these, these immigrants. Nobody's saying anything. Let's, let's go check on the, the, the gangs that are coming across the border, the cartel, bad people that are coming across the border, the, the fentanyl, fentanyl. That's, that's flooding our streets. We're not talking about that. We just want more money for more people to process immigrants, to get as many voters into this country as they can. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I can't come up with anything else. I'm as angry as you, if not more so, Ryan. I'm I, I, I just, I'm over it. Like, I'm serious. Like, again, the next time Kevin McCarty comes on the freaking TV at the hotel, I may, like, throw something at him. Like, I, uh, but and 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 I didn't I didn't even bring in that the China supplying all the the raw ingredients for the fentanyl come across and laughing at us about it and almost in our face not even pretending like they're not doing it in in conjunction with the drug cartel in Mexico it's it's unbelievable to me that we could be in this position and we've been on this ten minutes but this is the last thing I'm going to say on it and I'll move on to something else that I'm going to rant about but anyway like I I don't know what policy specifically it was but Trump enacted a policy where Mexico was actually helping us send these people back to wherever they came from. Like, Mexico was helping us do this. So and do you want to know what else, they're doing now? They're busting them to else, the border towns. If nothing else, reinstate that right there. If Mexico will agree to it, reinstate that so we at least have some help and controlling the problem. But what we haven't touched on is the Biden White House refuses to acknowledge anything Trump put in place is of value. They're not, they're too stubborn to do it. They won't acknowledge it, period. They won't do it. And it's, it's destroying our country. Well, Joe has his own problems because as <laughs> you have said that he can't run and I've never denied that he can't run. I have just said after mentored, I don't know how they explain to the man that he can't run. Well, they have now figured it out that since he just turned 80, that he is too old to run for president again. And evidently, this is a very sore subject with Sleepy Creepy Joe, because I guess 
when this came up again, again, I guess they've been hounding on it since or whatever last week or whatever. I there have been reports, and I quote: "So Chase, cover your little virgin ears, and if there are any children listening to this, this was not. This is a quote." I guess he screamed throughout the Oval Office and like pe- several people heard him that he knew exactly how f-ing old he was. He's aware of it. Yeah. It'd be about the only thing he's aware of. I was like, oh my. So Joe, Joe's got those problems as well. So the border and his age are an issue. But again, even if I, I truly think that someone in the inner circle either has massive amount of dirt on Joe or they know that there is a real true like senile or some type of mental health Alzheimer's issue that hasn't been released and that if they really do it that is what they will have to use to keep him from running but again when we say that the only person they have is Hillary yeah I know I said that last week but I mean like it I, so I don't know. He's just old and senile. It's that simple. He may have some form of all time. I, I don't know. But I mean, I'm just saying, I think there's some documented evidence or something. Yes. If they actually get him to bow out. What, that, what's that, shocking to me is I believe in his mind, he thinks he has done the best job and is the best president in history. In his mind, he, just he thinks this, this is amazing. Oh my God. He went, it was bragging all over himself today because uh, inflation was like, down to 7.1% great <laughs> instead of 7.6 and oh yeah i mean he he has literally solved all the world's problems i mean he he does think that he is the greatest president that's ever been but uh so and then the fed because of inflation like the fed is convinced we are headed for a big recession because they increased the rate by half percent again today and they said that there is more to come in 2023 yeah, and that that's that's I mean, historically speaking, we've we've had a, a period of very low interest rates. Um, but they can continue to, to go up as long as inflation continues to go up. And the Fed, until inflation simmers, they're gonna continue to raise interest rates. And that that's that's a challenge for a lot of people across the country, whether it's a, a home loan or or trying to buy a home or anything that you're dealing with businesses that are that are uh, levied a little little further than than ideal just to just to function. Those interest rates are going to put a lot of people under. Period. Yeah. And so there's that. And then a new poll came out today that shows DeSantis over Trump, which there was only like 200 people in this poll. And then if you put DeSantis up against Biden in this poll, they tie. So I don't have a whole lot of faith in this poll. I do find it interesting that on CNN. They're saying that Trump is no longer going to run, that he's going to bow out because he hasn't had any events or anything. I, I cannot see Trump announcing that he was going to run and then bowing out. Like I, 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 just, I, I don't know. I agree. I, I can't see a world where that happens. But it's but, odd he hasn't been back on. Well, the, I think it's odd that he hasn't done anything since the Georgia election because I, he did say when he announced, uh, and I know Dale didn't get to read the speech, that he wasn't going to have any events until after the Georgia runoff. And so he said that, but the Georgia runoff's done and Herschel got beat and whatever. But uh, so I do think that's a little weird, but I don't put a whole lot of faith in that poll because number one, it was only like 200 people and it, 
whatever. But uh, I, I do find that funny. That's or interesting, not funny. Interesting that CNN said that. But there's nothing. DeSantis has, if DeSantis is going to run, he is holding his cards very firmly to his vest because there has been nothing. He has not even, like, he gets asked every day, multiple times a day. I, it, it's this. Same I answer. think it's better for him to, to let Trump make the next move and then then make decisions. I, I think I mean, it's good where he's at. I mean, I think you know, and ever like everybody said when they were talking about this, DeSantis is doing everything right. He's picked the right issues. He's you know, it, in terms of the woke stuff, he, he's did a great job with the hurricane. I mean, he's doing all the right things. Again, I just like I said last week, and I, I do believe this. The only thing that Trump has going for him, other than he's got like his core people but the one thing is there is nothing else that they can drag out it's all out there they they've def- i mean they've literally dog deemed the, the trash the, is there right i mean it, uh, they, and, there's nothing else so and you're con- you're convinced that there's something there on DeSantis. i i, I think there is like and especially think, if trump he doesn't trump said he had it like made this public statement but, that that and, could be part of the reason that DeSantis is, is quiet. I I have no these these are all just speculation. I have no right. idea. And, but. Again, I I, th- I just wh- whether Trump has something on him or not, I don't. I mean, Trump says he does. Whatever. I, regardless of that, I do think that when you put that man under a microscope, like they will, because I I it, it doesn't matter. The mainstream media believes that he's the one that they are afraid of running for president next time. So if he announces, they will dissect him just like they did Trump and do all the same shit. I, I, I am. He's got a a crazy impressive resume, but you know, there's going to, I am a little hesitant when they put him under that microscope. What might be there? We're running low on time, but you got to talk about your, your, your boyfriend, Mr. Crypto. No, Mr. Crypto is not my boyfriend, but oh. th- this is the other bullshit. So the FTX scandal. Yesterday, Sam Bankman Freed, which I think is fried like his hair, but anyway, whatever his name is. He was spo- he had agreed to testify via Zoom for Congress. And all these Republicans, there was going to be hours of testimony, which all of this was going to be under oath that could only help this the case against this man, all this stuff, like the, it was all going to come out, and because of and y'all say this is conspiracy theorist, and I don't care, because he was the <laughs> second largest Democratic donor, other than Soros, Soros, and then him in this last election. The Democrats had the U.S. law officials, DOJ, whoever, put pressure on the Bahamian government to go pick that man up and place him in custody hours like the night before he was supposed to give this testimony this is the first time in history anyone having to do with any u.s law has ever prohibited someone from going on on, under oath and testifying i mean this is crazy and and if he would have went under oath and testified, that's that's a prosecutor's dream. It's all admissible in the actual yes. court case. Yeah, and because they did not want hostile Republicans 
pointing out all this shit, the $40 million that he donated, yeah. that he stole from all that. They just go and have him picked up. And he's not, they haven't even asked for him to be extradited yet. Now, if you're a Democrat, you think, well, that that's a pretty smart move. You have to, to give uh, them credit. They were oh, thinking Rob, about that one. Sorry. No good for nothing, people. I mean, how would you feel? And I'm not talking about the celebrities that put in money on this, but I'm talking about like the regular American families that invested in this and now they've lost God knows how much, whatever. And I, I can, I can feel sorry for them, Ryan, but we've got to, they have to know that if you're jumping on crypto, you're jumping on a bandwagon that's riding pretty fast and and you're going to probably get hurt. I'm not saying I feel sorry for them for losing them. I feel sorry for the fact because they're never going to get their money back. Anyway, what I am sympathetic to is that now all of that testimony is not going to happen because the Democrats didn't want to come out. That is what, if I was them, I would like go to Washington and like storm their offices and be like, don't, don't say that you're going to get yourself in trouble. You cannot. No, I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like storm. I'm talking like going in their offices and be like, why the hell would you do this? Like, you can go see your elected yes, officials. Yes, yes. Not don't storm. Just go in and visit them. You, you can go see them. That's what they're supposed <laughs> to be there for. So I, I'm sympathetic to the fact that when they invested, they didn't know they didn't even have a chance. There was no chance the way this this company is being run. It was a, a Ponzi scheme times a hundred. They, they had no no hope, zero. No, and like the guy who was court appointed to like be Sam Brinkman fried Bankman fried now or whatever. Like he testified and he said, this is just old fashioned embezzlement. Like all there is to it. Like he said, I mean, I'm talking about old, let was his words, old school embezzlement, no cover up, no nothing. This man just took these funds and used them for whatever in the hell he wanted to. He said, and he said, I've never seen anything like this before. We're just going to refer to him as your little freaked out boyfriend, Crypto no. Boy. No, no. Crypto um, Boy is not my boyfriend. That boy is ugly. The only other thing I wanted to touch on is the Twitter coverage and Elon. Oh, I don't even. The Twitter files. Like, we're on six drop 16. Yeah. I so, mean, there's uh, no. Do you realize there's no coverage coming from the mainstream? It's it's Fox and, and the Garage Station. That's it. Okay. But the Garage News and Fox, they don't even say what's in it. It's just like. Elon dropped Twitter files number 67. I mean, like, they don't even, like, give you a detailed synopsis of what it says. Ryan's got a point. I'm serious. They don't. Well, Chase, you're welcome to come in here if there's anything yeah, that we Chase, uh, misstated, because, like, misstated or you'd like to give us. Please do. I mean, I'm not as researched on most of the topics that you covered, but I didn't see anything that stood out as not 100% on. I, I'm only hearing about this crypto fraud right now, but yeah. You hear Fox keep on talking about, oh, Twitter leak five just dropped. And I wish they'd like maybe take a hour of programming, and just dissect everything that was dropped in it rather than just say it was dropped. That'd kind of be helpful, you know, or like give the freaking highlights at least. I mean, literally, it's just like what Chase said. Elon Musk dropped Twitter files number five today. OK, next. I mean, like what was in it? Because like I'm not gonna get on Twitter and read through all that shit. I'm not. No, and and you know you know what's what's interesting to me is you you had said this a long time ago, Ryan, that that Fox has is pretty much shut Trump out or ignored him for how long? Very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they don't even make mention of him. 
not good, not bad, nothing. Just just like he's gone. Oh yeah, no, I mean, like the the way that the media, including Fox, I, I mean, I'm sure the garage people aren't like this, but have decided to handle Trump is they are just not going to talk about him. Like he. So does what, what's not their incentive for that? What why are they? Because I think they think that he got elected and then he almost got reelected because of all the media coverage that everybody gave him. Because like exactly. it's the old the old saying that you know even bad press is good press or whatever. I mean, I think that they are firmly believed that that's the reason that he got whatever. And now I, I think the stupidest thing that Trump has done so far is Elon has let him back on Twitter and he won't go because he's so stubborn. That that is what got him. Like those tweets, whether you hated them, liked them, whatever, that is what got him to where he is. And nothing against true social, but it's not Twitter. It's just not. No, and they're I, not going to belong to it. But I've they're not going to. They're not going to let him back on Facebook. So he better, if he's really going to run, he better accept Elon's invitation and get his ass back on Twitter because that's the only way that he's going to get anything out. Because the mainstream media is literally going to black that man out. He does not exist. It is not happening. Is nothing. There is no Trump. I've got a point here. It's that you guys keep thinking he wants to run for re-election, and I understand why anyone would want to run for re-election and want to be president again. But keep in mind, this man is independently wealthier than most humans could ever hope to be. He doesn't have to be president. He's got other businesses that are working for him. Well, I yeah. agree. I, I That was like my whole reason that I really got on the Trump bandwagon to begin with, because just of what Chase said, and I, I posted this, I've talked about it. You only run for like, you have to be a little kind of deranged or something to want to be president. Cause it's not a fun job. Okay. It's just not, but like normally it's because you want money or power or influence or what he had all those things. And I truly believe, and I don't know so much the first time, he thought that he could help fix America, and he did. I mean, his policies did help fix America in a lot of ways, and it, he did make great strides in so many different areas. But I think it was really, he just like, because you could go back, even in the late 80s, the 90s, whatever, he would talk about running, and he was like, if I ran, it's because this country is going to hell and all this other. So I think it was like, like everybody's talking about how Elon's the greatest patriot for buying Twitter and releasing all this, whatever I Trump, I think was very big patriot and really wanted to help America and Americans. And that, that was kind of my draw to him. Now this time, I think it's a little more for revenge. Yes. It, it's all about revenge. And I think the first time you're right, he's a patriot and I will, I will stand behind his policies like no other and probably the best policy that I've been aware of in my lifetime that he had implemented while he was in there. And, and I appreciate what, what he did. I, I think in the initial one, there's a little bit of ego that, that came into it, but at this point it's revenge, revenge, and then a little bit more revenge. No question. Congratulations on the longest current event in our, our history. Yeah. Thanks. Great. And I, I can promise about that. I can yeah. promise you the main topic may get a little, this is going to be a longer episode. The night that Clifton has something going on, he's going to have to abandon us. Well, I'm going to be real quick on BTRJ Halay stuff. Sign your kids up before December 1, or before December 31st for 2023. 
go to btrjla.com. Uh, we'll have another points update Sunday. All of the Louisville points should be in that update. They got them to us. We're still waiting on Kansas City, but all the Louisville points should be up there. Most of the shows from the last weekend have already sent in their points. They should be up there. So, like, we're trying to keep them as up-to-date as we possibly can because we know the end of the year is upon us. Uh, All this stuff. I want to thank our Top 10 Jacket donors for 2022. Magnus Family, Ranch House Design, South Texas Show Series, which, by the way, she's having a show this weekend in Kingsville. I'm judging if y'all want to go. Bullseye Ranch, Reaper Logics, our top 10 awards sponsors, Ellis Beefmaster, Crownstone, Leonard Truck and Trailer, who again, Clint, thank you for being the largest BTR Jelly sponsor of the year, Stock Show Auctions, and Rockin' W. Angus. Those were our sponsors for 2022. We need sponsors for 2023 if you're interested. And I am going to give the top 10 overall lamb right now. Piper Liska with 510, Yuma, Arizona is first. Rose Davies, Filer, Idaho, second. Adele Simpson, Eager, Arizona, third. Lakin Rookstool, Rooks I think. Wamigo, Kansas, next. Montgomery Bertram, or yeah, Montgomery Bertram, Wheeling, West Virginia. Paisley Carlson, Orland, California. Addison Zerbach, Roseburg, Oregon. Gabriel Rote, Car- Carmel, Indiana, Mason Rookstool, Wamingo, Kansas, and Zane Downey of Whitehall, Montana. Congratulations to our top 10 lamb, and thank you for the 2022 sponsors. I have a public service announcement. Imagine that. You do not need to smuggle Show Fresh H2O across the border. You do not oh, need to be concerned that you are funding the Chinese Communist Party when you purchase Show Fresh H2O. Pick Show Fresh H2 up at your local supply trailer or order online at swampfox.com. This is an American-made product that ensures maximum hydration when on the road or at the show. Show Fresh H2O, we appreciate your support. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please give Show Fresh H2O a try. Like, literally, I don't know how these people got in contact with you, but y'all are literally like a match made in heaven. Like, I Water, mean- water, water. I mean, seriously, like I bet I, they have sent an email. I don't, I don't I, know. And sometimes I, miss I bet emails, they have but... a life size cut out of you in their supply trailer or whatever they're wherever they make all this stuff in the United States. I bet like, you're like got a life size cut out there, Mr. <laughs> they, maybe, maybe, maybe you should get a crown and a sash. Mr. Chauffress H2O. You could wear I'm, it. I'm good. Water, water, water. Okay, it's on to breed purity, and that's that's why we brought Chase in. He has some thoughts and some opinions on this, as as do Ryan and I. But when no, we say I, breed, go ahead. I, I'm going to give you my thoughts right now, and then I'm going to sign out. There is no such thing as breed purity. <laughs> you're done. There is done, no. Bre- thank you. So so it's just just for definition, but you're saying that all breeds are crossbreds to some extent. Yes. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. That that's that is going to come into play, and and. I guess we started off and just what Ryan said are we, whether you call them full bloods or purebred animals, do they actually represent true pure genetics? And there is no question if we, we look back into history and I, and I can go back to the eighties, just, just in my lifetime, the later eighties, there was a huge, and I'm going to use the cattle cattle uh, as an example on this one. We're going to hit the other species as well, but there was a huge draw towards single trait selecting for hip height or frame size bigger 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 
And at that time, there was some, I believe, some blood testing maybe when a breed or when an animal's pedigree was in question. But there were breeders out there that were pretty wise to the the blood typing. And they were pretty wise in how they were going to bring those in. And I can assure you, in a lot of our mainstream breeds right now, during the 80s, maybe even into the early 90s, there was a pretty big influx of of genetics from other breeds that that were incorporated and registered as purebreds. I know you find that hard to believe that somebody's going to do that, but there's no question. We made made huge. This just proves what I said earlier. There is no such yes. thing as breed purity. Done. But what we we're going to go way way beyond that. And Chase, I want I want you to use an example just just to kind of get us started. So we have what we call traditional breed characteristics and. During Skillathon preparation for Chase this year, he had to incorporate breed identification and breed characteristics and breed history. And generally speaking, and again, we're going to use that. Let's say, say cattle for for this. If we we have to use the traditional colors, we put five pictures of black cattle out there that all look similar. It's pretty hard to to determine what they are. So we go back to the original colors. In other words, a, a Simital is the old traditional cream or yellow and white. Um, and then we go back to limousine, a, a solid red and, and just, just their traditional colors. But Jason, in, in certain species, there, there's been changes in all of them. But from when you studied the breeds, the traditional breed characteristics via pictures and evaluated the history of that those, those breeds, which species, when you got to Louisville, was the most different, hardest to say, wow, this one, this one's a south down or this one's a shropshire or this one's a hereford or this one's a angus or this one's a duroc or this one's a yorkshire which of, of those species was the most difficult or are has changed the most from their traditional characteristics for me it would have to be the cheviot okay or the sheep in general just in general yeah. not a breed okay yes. so so tell us a little bit about you looking at them their traditional characteristics and what they originally looked like and what they look like now we're trying to bring an unbiased, independent opinion in. Ryan and I may have some biases. Okay. Doubling back to specifically that Cheviot. When I first saw pictures of Cheviots, I thought I had a pretty good picture in my head of them. I studied the traditional breeds for about maybe five months, felt like. And then maybe a week before we're about to head down to Louisville, Dad gives me a Kentucky Skillifon practice test. And I take it and I'm like, oh, this one's easy. It's a Monodale. It's a Cheviot on a Columbia. It had that Cheviot head and was real big and framey. And I'm thinking easy peasy. And he comes through and checks it to see if I got the answers right. And he says, no, that's a Cheviot. And I'm thinking not a chance. That thing is massive. And he said, no, that's just how sheep are nowadays. They're all that big. And I'm thinking, oh no, I've been memorizing sheep breeds by size. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's no question, Chase. And, and we'll talk about this when we get into the, into the individual species, but We've made, and we talk about the breeding slash frame sheep, we've made them really, really big. And obviously, there, there's no way we could make the progression we've made or they've made in the sheep business. And I'm not just going to pick on sheep. We're going to talk about all species. And this isn't trying to be negative and not saying that here's what we need to do to change it. Just discuss what it is and be aware of what, what's out there and maybe discuss it amongst yourselves, those that are listening. But if, if we, we think about the size differences that we've made in, let's use the frame sheep or breeding sheep as an example, it's off the charts. And from an original genetic base within a breed, it's pretty darn difficult, if not impossible, 
to make those advancements without bringing in other breeds, uh, crossbreeding to make them bigger, whether it be a Columbia, whether it be a Suffolk or, or any breed that maybe fits in there that within a couple generations, we can get it close enough to that original breed type or that, that original breed look. But before, before we go down that path and, and we've got a lot, I, I've got a lot that I want to want to hit on there. Is there a purpose? Maybe we should look at the big picture and, and Ryan, is there, when you're out judging cattle shows, I think you could agree with this. We're making a lot of the cattle as judges. I, I you could take some of the blame. I could take the, a lot of people could. But, Why are you blaming me for this shit? Well, I have nothing to do with I, I've, wa- I've, been, I've judged cattle shows with you. I've watched you. We we tend to make them all look at least somewhat similar when we get to champions of our breed divisions. Not necessarily. Whoa, 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 Oh, whoa, my. Whoa. Listen here, Buttercup. I Go ahead. I am the one that says, oh, every show that good ones and great ones come in, all shapes, sizes, colors, and kinds, you just got to, like, appreciate them for what they're. I don't try to make anything look. I am the last person that tries to make them all look the same. I think they should have similar characteristics. No, the only thing you care about is, like, the pig thing is they're colored like a Berkshire, but they're the same body type that you're always using. And you will use an off-breed before anyone. But those off-breeds that you're using are not traditional characteristics. They're just colored like the off-breed. I am not there to classify. I am there to judge the animals to come out into the arena to me on that day. I agree with that, but they are all of a a similar body type. When you you tag... You can sum this up any way you want. And like I, I'm just gonna state for the record that the fact that I think it's funny. This is I'm not putting word into Chase's mouth. I think it's funny that he thinks that the sheep are the ones that have gone the farthest. Because I'm just gonna tell you, when I was a small child, I was always told that the sheep people taught the cattle people how to cheat in all areas. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying I thought that was funny. But in the cattle world, the reason that there is no such thing as true breed purity in my opinion is because we wanted, I'm not saying me or whatever, but somehow this industry decided that they all needed to be black. And we know that there was only one way to do that. And it was not by keeping the breeds pure. This is correct. And and there is an underlying reason on the commercial level when Feeder cattle are sold, and, and even market cattle, there was usually a premium, Not, I'm not saying deserved or undeserved, for black hide. And maybe that's maybe that pushed into the show ring. I, I don't know. But you're right. They all, they all did want to become black, but a lot of the breeds opened up their short arm plus or appendix programs or low percentages to, to incorporate Every this. breed now has a percentage program of some point. Yes. Like, and, and, and for various reasons. Right. And and I think I I think some people used to say back when they opened it up, well, we're just legalizing what people are already doing. And I mean that's it's whatever too. But when that push and see you talk about how we should be back more towards the commercial and whatever well, it was the commercial industry that decided everything needed to be black. So that's why all the breeds change colors. So there you go. You, there we have there at we it, go. Big, have at it, big boy. But w- when you do that. Then just what you're trying to blame me for is making them all look the same. Not yeah. not you personally, just judges in general in the ring. And I'm guilty of it as well. I have a certain type that I, I like. In, in when when you 
go to make them all black, there's no way that you are not, you're going to keep breed purity at almost any level, in my opinion, because it is what it is. If you're not, that if if you if your breed is red and white, like we'll take Simmentals, and you make them black like we did, then that's not a real Simmental in the end. And I'm fine with it. I was one of the, I showed at Junior Nationals there was two black heifers the first year that I ever attended, and I had one of them. So I don't care. I'm all for it. But <laughs> like it, it that when you go to do that, there's no way to keep the breed purity that a lot of people talk about or think and all this other stuff. And so that's just part of it. That's just the way this has evolved. And so, you know, and then like in, in some of these breeds, which again, I'm not saying this is a bad thing or disagreeing with it, but like, you know, seven eights is in some breeds is considered to be a purebred. Now, a lot of people could argue that that's not right. That a purebred and full blood should basically be the same. Right. Yeah. They should exactly. be all that brief. I mean, and again, nothing against the keys because I show key. I mean, I love keys. I've shown keys, whatever. Like you can look at a key across the pasture and register as one. I mean, basically. You can. It's kind of like the sheep. It just doesn't. I mean, so, so, and I think this is a fascinating topic. And I do want your and Chase's like detailed things. But I mean, like just trying to get when you go to change something like they have in the cattle and like you bringing up the Burks and all this other stuff. There's only so much of that breed purity. It's going to go away by the wayside to a great deal is what I'm getting at. It is. And I, I like your analogy on the black hide coming into the other breeds and, and chase, maybe you can help us. Are there any other breeds that traditionally were solid black other than Angus? Well, I mean, off the top of my head, there's Wagyu, but I couldn't imagine anyone trying to breed that into their show stock. No, and that, that came via the dairy industry. The Japanese are just smart enough to market it as beef with crazy levels of marbling. So I, I think, Ryan, that, that's a very good point that, that I, 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 I can't think back. I'm, maybe I'm sure there is. And I'm sure there's black and whites like a Belted Galloway or, or things that had the black pigment. But, but they try to black, get them all solid black, basically, is yeah, what they've tried. Solid black and pulled, it comes back to the Angus breed. There, there's no... No question and no no way around around and, that. And I'm not going to try to like step on your toes because I know you're Mr. Angus Breeder America and all this other stuff. Just because Angus are black and pulled, don't think that their breed's exactly pure either. No, I think they, they made some progress on making them Yes, taller. I said that, Angus people. I did yeah. say that. You can send me the hate mail. I said it. Y'all, y'all ain't off the hook either. If we go back to the 50s, 60s, and 70s, they were belt buckle tall. And all of a sudden in the 80s, they were... 65 plus in, i mean they're monsters absolute monsters and magic it, it didn't happen. happen from that original magic. genetic pool mm-hmm. yeah magic, magic. absolute magic. magic while we're on cattle and i and then we're going a lot of different directions okay ryan i'm i'm gonna use a, a cattle show that has multiple breeds in it let's say we have mains maintainers high main percentage angus. scimitals main angus low percentage semis uh limb flex all of these okay and i take five of those Let's say a, a percentage semi, a, a key, a limb flex, a short arm plus, and a main angus, or or you can put any five in there that can be solid black. I put those five out there in the ring and ask you to tell me what breed each of those are. Can you do it? I'm going to answer this like I think we had something similar in question and answer. 
I think depending on which ones you pick, yes. There, there's a lot of times when at shows that they're breed, that you have to have so many head to make a breed, otherwise you go into AOB. And a lot of those in those classes, I don't have to ask the kid what their animal. I can pretty much make an educated guess and like and but then there are times I'm like, what breed is this one? And so depending on the five representatives that you pick out. I could probably get all five of them or I probably couldn't get any of the five of them because you could go through and pick in those different breeds at any diff show of any size, five that look almost like they could be the same genetics in those Correct. five different breeds. Or you could go find ones, five different ones that, yeah, that one definitely looks like a limousine. That one definitely looks like a maintainer that one definitely looks like a solid black simmental. I mean, it just depends which ones you pick. No, I think that's a really, really good answer. And I think that, that, that summarizes it. Well, I, I would say that if, if you were to find those that are a direct parent, that's more tra uh, traditional out of a traditional simmental or more traditional main or whatever, I think you could probably land on those and, and get pretty close, but I'm going to, I'm going to go back that, I don't know that the percentage of those that are, are showing and especially winning is very high. So I think oh, I agree with our, that. I don't think it's very high. No. Yeah. But. When we, we take our breed champions and come back in, I'm going to tell you that I've got to obviously remember what breed they came out of or listen to that announcer when they're coming in the ring. And, and obviously you're going to remember them if you, if you used them breed champion, what breed they were tied to. But if you didn't know, I, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't do it on most, on most situations. It just, it just is what it is. And, and that's where I want to want to bring another point in. So if we're making all the breeds look, I think we can agree that we're making, they're becoming more similar. Uh, there's, yes. there's no question that that's happening in terms of their body type and the look. And not even if they're not even if they're black, whether it's a Hereford or a Roan shorthorn or whatever it may be in general, we're, we're migrating to a certain body type and a certain look. And by doing that, we're, it, it's difficult. So traditionally speaking, Angus were high marbling, high maternal, uh, Charlet, high muscle, high growth. Um, what we could go on and on, on, on breed characteristics and chase would be better at, at this than, than myself. But now that we're migrating all one direction, what happens? Tr I, I, not necessarily what happens. If we were breeding livestock and we wanted to bring in maternal traits, we kind of knew in general what in a, in a crossbreeding program what breed to go grab a hold of. If we wanted a terminal sire, we kind of knew what breed to go. I don't know that we can do that anymore. We have to look at individuals within each breed because I think there's so much genetic diversity within the breeds that that you can find a terminal one, you can find a maternal one. It's not categorized and. Chase, is there, is there any value to across species, whether it's hogs or sheep or cattle or whatever it may be, do you see value in trying to salvage those true breed representatives that are as pure as we can find? I believe so, because these purebreds, if you've selected for generations in this one breed for, let's say, maternal traits, it's going to be a whole lot faster. Say you've got your just general crossbred program. You want to bring some maternal traits in. You just grab a sire from that breed and go for it. But you need to have that breed maintained and kept pure for that sire to be assuredly worth something. If you, if you're a hog breeder, 
who now this is would probably never happen in a million years. If you went and bought a Michon because you thought you could get massive litter sizes and the thing only gives you eight piglets, you're going to think, what the heck? <laughs> you need to have these purebreds on available. That way you can bring the genetic diversity into your crossbreds. But to do so, you just need to keep those outlying purebreds pure. And do you think there there are the pure ones still out there that you could go get in, in almost a conservatory type thing? Or do they even exist anymore? It's hard to say they exist in any number. When I went to the show, I wouldn't tell you yes. But no, if you I, really I don't think they're not hard, at the show. <laughs> no, they're, they're hiding in the woods of, of Tennessee somewhere in a holler that, that they just have, have bred the same Duroc genetics on top of each other for 50 years. Maybe something like that. I, I don't. I don't know. We've got semen from a long time ago that we could pull back on and and do things. And it's interesting while we're talking about that because we have some um, situations where the National Swine Registry went back and tried to make they tried tried to make I guess come up with a a pure genetic line that they can use as a baseline to determine how pure hogs are when they're they're registering them. And as of right now, and I, 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 under the National Swine Registry, each breed is a little bit different, I believe, on what percentage they have to be matching their purity. Uh, let's just use 90%. So when you send DNA in, if they come up, they're only 89% pure and the, the, the cutoff is 90, that hog's not registered. But it's interesting, the way they developed their base was took a, a large genetic pool um, and I couldn't even tell you from where, and it, and it grouped up real tight in one little circle. If you just look, think about a sheet of paper, the bottom right grouped up in a real small circle, 95% of, of the Durox or the Hampshires or whatever, but then they grab some of the modern sires and what's popular right now. And those things are scattered all over the page, which tells you they were obviously crossed up uh, in a very, I mean, within a generation or two, and they don't fit that, that tight genetic match that we have down in that that highly intense group of, of dots down that bottom right portion of that paper so they they took that center and what they consider to be here's here's the most likely pure genomic we could come up with and now they test everything against that and each year i believe they bump up the percentage purity that that hogs have to reach to be registered and that's that's pretty interesting this happened maybe three or four years ago i i, I couldn't be sure and I can assure you it wasn't popular with some. Um, there were lots of arguments about it. Lawsuits were threatened. It, it, was a, it was a battle. But once they established that baseline, and let's assume, and I, originally I said, well, I don't think you could come up with a baseline because I originally thought we've got to go find that one individual that we think's pure, and, and I don't know how you're going to do that. But when they take a large number of samples and they all group up real tight, in theory, that that should probably be bringing us back closer to, to purity, um, especially when there's a bunch of outliers um, in addition to that. So now that, that that I believe in the baseline, that is a brilliant way to try to get things back to pure. And I think over time, you're probably going to concentrate those true pure genetics back to where, to where they once were. So that that's just just interesting to me out on how the direction that they're taking. Um, Ryan, well, can I are throw you something? out yes, here on this please. part of it okay so you were asking chase should we have these you know purebred full bloods whatever da, 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 all this other stuff so um I, i'm just gonna share a personal story and i don't even know if this program so there used to be something called a rolled gold berkshire 
I think. Yes, yeah, sir. Berkshire, Berkshire Gold. Program. Berkshire Gold, something. I remember what it <laughs> yes. is. But yeah, something like that. Anyway, so uh, when I was on the judging team, we went to one of these places that they were all about this like every animal there was in this berkshire gold da, 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 whatever they would they would get a premium when they'd sell them that was pretty large as market animals and, not show animals and I, i'm just telling you right now that was the worst hog workout of my life <laughs> like i thought i was going to literally shoot myself but those animals do not look like the Berkshires that I used to win shows. I'm just telling you. They does not know. So I don't know how we went from the Berkshire gold to what out there kicking everybody in the ass in the show ring right now. But yeah, I don't care how many generations it was. It wasn't. You no, know, you know how we went there. You're lying. It was no. not because of the improvement of the pre-purity in the Berkshires. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say about it all. No. Were those yeah. Berkshires kind of jolly, a little sloppy maybe? Oh my god! I couldn't find a good one all day. I don't think there was one. I'm, I'm, I bet. I bet Doctor Skaggs appreciated what they were, though. Oh my god! I. I mean, like literally, it, it was. I. I still have nightmares of that workout. There was one Charlet workout and one the Berkshire Gold workout, and I'm like, seriously, I could not mark anything right all day. I and like Dale knows how hard I am on myself. Anyway, like. I was about to like literally lose it. And I was like, we, we just have to go like, and like Skaggs was like a big believer in that. Like you always needed to find a good class to end on that. Like most people, you know, got right or whatever. And like, I was like, we're, we'll be here till, you know, 2040. So let's just end it. It's not happening for me today. Let's go. Let's just get, get the hell out of here. Not working. But yeah. Oh God. No. But. Oh, I can uh, only imagine. Oh, it was terrible. But like th- those things happen. And then the other thing that you, you were talking about on the Charlets that they-, they were known for muscle and all this other stuff and how, you know, we're kind of trying to make them all look the same and all this stuff. There have been several times that I, cause I'm a, I, I follow Charlet shows. Like I, I love Charlets, whatever. And so I- I've heard several times in the past couple of years at big national shows the judge say something about, you know, how or allude to the fact that maybe we've gone too far and we should go back to what made Charlay's, you know, profitable and wanted and more muscle and all that, that basically their opinions, maybe we've gone a little too flat. And so I, I think there is some of that regardless of species. But again, you know, when you're swinging this pendulum, uh, it's going to go back and forth. And so maybe we have got to a point in, in, in the cattle. I don't know about, you know, in the other ones that maybe like we have made them all too much the same. And maybe we should try to get some of those breed characteristics back in those breeds that, you know, what is what they were originally ideally profitable and made them wanted and popular and, all of those certain types of things. And I also say good luck with all that, but yeah, I, I think it would, I think it'd be a challenge. And again, I, I think it, it may be good. I, I don't know that we should or shouldn't, or if we even could do it, but, but you're right. I have heard some of those comments in, in, in the Charlays or, or other breeds. And I, I appreciate that because we, we do tend to, to go one direction and, and it just, it just kind of is what it is. So I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know where it's going to end up. 
And I would also like to state for the record, since I am Miss Berkshire America and use them all the time, I prefer the ones that are in the show ring now to the Berkshire Golds. Just let me tell you right now. I don't care what they are. I like them. I think. (laughs) Speaking of Berkshires, okay, here's a good example of what what Chase had brought up that maybe we should should preserve some of those pure lines. Like, Ryan, I don't know what farm you're at, but I hope those are still in play. I I do not. I I do. I, I want them to be there because. Those traditional Berkshires marbled phenomenal. And Chase can get on a rant here shortly about. If I would have had a weapon of mass destruction, that whole farm would have been wiped off. (laughs) Okay. So what the point I'm trying to make is I have a former student that resides locally here. That's got, owns a butcher shop and takes high end meat cuts up into Chicago to the, the high end restaurant trade and has been very, very successful, but he's wanting to focus on high marbling, high eating quality products. And on the hog side, he's asked me several times, where, where can I find a boar or purchase some gilts that are going to help the marbling? And so well, you've, you've got to find your traditional Berkshire hogs or even some of your, your old school Duroc hogs that, that had tremendous meat quality. And I've, I've tried to set him up and, and locate some of these. And I haven't spent a lot of time doing it. But I'll tell you what, it's hard to find them. I, 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 I'm not saying they don't exist, but there's not many people out there that still have maintained those. And assumably because there's not many people looking for them, but they, they can serve a purpose. And, and I think, I think that is, that is a perfect example of it. Chase, what do, what do you think? Would you like to insert some more marbling or eating quality into pork? Yes. Hands down. Yes. Ryan, I don't care if they look like the worst hogs you've ever seen. I don't care if they give the worst day of your life. They taste good when they're on the plate. And to me, I'm just I can have the hog that tastes good on my plate in my breeding stock or the hog that's going to win me the blue ribbon at the fair. Me personally, who wants a good pork burger at least once in his life, is going to pick the one that tastes good. Not not as concerned about where the show ring is as as usual. Well, let's. And we, that's we why to- we have you on here, Chase. So we have differing <laughs> opinions. And he is very discouraged that the the swine industry doesn't appear to care about meat quality. And I try to tell him they do, but I can't point out where they're really putting commercially a premium to try to get more marbling and more eating quality. And and he may be, he may be correct on that one. Chase, just eat beef. It'll be fine, honey. That's there my only go. solution for now. There you go. Okay. So we've talked about cattle. We've talked about, about swine a little bit. And Ryan, we, we, we used Berkshire's as an example. I, I'm not sure, but I bet you've used a Hereford hog. You might've even used a Hamworth, a Tamworth before. And I have in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you those ones that you used, I'm just telling you, they, look nothing like what and i didn't see them but i promise you they did not look anything like a true hereford or tamworth i'm gonna agree with that and i am telling you you are absolutely 100 percent correct (laughs) now they may have been the right car i would not have used them (laughs) (laughs) but you're okay using them so with that said we're not as you as you stated and sometimes as judges you you worry about whether they're ugly headed or or good looking headed or or whatever, but not relative to breed character, just just your opinion. Where some actually want to try to make them when they're judging look like the breed they represent, and that's a slippery path. Kind of like when that superintendent Ryan says, "Hey, if something comes in here that doesn't fit that breed, you're supposed to excuse them." What do you tell them? No, I said that's above my pay grade. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> More times than not, no. I'm going that's, to tell you more that, times than not like, when that one when that one comes in, you're probably using the damn thing. Not only are you not 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 excusing them from the ring, but because it, they may have a little crossbred advantage, they they may look a little better. 
And again, that's like when they say, oh, if you think one's not in the right weight bracket, let us know. And we'll, nope, not doing that shit either. I'm, whatever you sit in this ring, I'm judging. But uh, again, like talking about heads and all this stuff, it's like I, I do like and the best way that I, I can point this out is like I'm a big fan of American cattle. And so the American steers in Texas, which nobody else has these. I mean, like, they don't even have them in Oklahoma, basically. So, um, but we have, like, several different breeds of American steers in Texas, and they're all crossbred with something, you know, Brahmins are crossed with something to get a Brahmin crossbred, hybrid, whatever, and that's all fine. And it's, uh, you, we have these validation rules, and they're supposed to reflect, or classification rules, that they're supposed to reflect this percentage of Brahmin and all this other stuff, and we have classification system. Yada, yada, yada. But, like, because classification is a three-man, three-person panel, and, you know, it's just an opinion. Sometimes one slip in that are on that borderline, okay? Which is fine, but a lot of times that works in your advantage, but sometimes it doesn't because you look so far out and so far different that you don't fit, and so I, I think I think it's a slippery slope. I mean, and everybody rides it and, you know, all this stuff. But uh, th there's a lot of times, especially at the Texas majors. And again, I know that the masses on this podcast can't relate to this. But there's a lot of times in those American breeds that there may be one that was questionable on classing that got in. More times than not, they don't win. See, I would I would look at it another way, and and I, I believe you, and and I can see that. I used to say that a lot of the at the Texas majors, and again, you have a three man system, and if one black balls them, they're out, right, Ryan? Right. Just well, no, one, it's two. It's two, two one. Two. It's okay. One. So that to have the majority. I always tell people a lot of these breed classes are determined in the breed classification, whether they get in or not, because if you've got an Angus that's just a little too muscular and a little too going that direction they may get blackballed but maybe if you have one just right on the line that gets in that one's going to look pretty pr pretty good out there so but what you're saying if they let one in that's that maybe was was over the line that they, they don't usually get along which which surprises me a little bit i mean not all the times but i mean sometimes it, it works against you that's what i'm saying got it no that 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 makes sense well let's let's talk we, we talked about what the national swine registry is is doing with their purity I don't think there's as much, and, and again, I'm not talking about the appendix programs or the percentage programs or the plus programs in cattle, but in the purebred cattle, if I think about Angus cattle or Hereford cattle or, or, or just the, the, what you want to call the purebreds or the, the full bloods, whatever, whatever you want to word it as, I don't think there's as much crossbreeding coming in now as there once was. And I I had to do a little bit of research, and I, I was unfamiliar. Everything that I register in the Angus Association that originates as an embryo in Argentina, I have to do parentage verification on both the sire and the dam and make sure that the registries have that, that information for me to be able to register. I also assumed that in the Angus Association that that was being done pretty commonly, where in all reality, I believe, and I, and I, I don't, I, I hope I'm correct on this, if they're going to be an AI sire or used as an AI sire, then they want parentage verification. Or if they're going to be a donor cow, they want parentage verification. But if you just breed an Angus bull to an Angus cow, 
you don't have to go back and do parentage verification. I think other breeds are, are fairly similar. There's some variation there. But if we were to do parentage verification, Ryan and Chase, on every single animal that's registered, that would that would stop any crossbreeding from coming in. But whatever's there already is not going to go away. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's some truth to that. And so I, I think a lot of the, of the associations, a lot of them are doing genomic testing. The majority of the cattle that are registered are genomic tested. So that's, that's going to include parentage. Um, so it's, it's, it's cleaned itself up to a certain degree. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me. And, and during a, a conversation I had with an Angus breeder, David Brown, he reminded me that there's probably less going on now than maybe historically because of genomics. And he also brought up something and, and, and I, I guess I was aware of it, but just didn't, didn't put my thumb on it. You have so much genetic variation within the breeds. For example, in the Angus, if you want um, a big bodied, real moderate belly dragger, or if you want something that's, that's a little more terminal or, or larger framed or, or whatever it may be, just about every type and kind from EPD cattle to carcass cattle to maternal cattle, you have that within the Angus breed right now. So instead of going to a specific breed to look for a specific trait and not just Angus cattle, but all species, I think we could, we, we almost have to pay attention even within breeds. And I, and I'm going to jump around a lot here. I can remember land race being, being thought of as a highly maternal breed. Our white breeds are usually maternal and, and the hog thing, but there are maternal lines of land race that you would traditionally think about but there's some wild muscled and, and maybe even some stress carriers at one time in the land race that would be very terminally oriented. So we, we can take within any species, within any breed, I think you can find those individuals that might work in your crossbreeding program. So this goes against the fact that, that maybe we need to conserve or preserve specific pure breeds, but it also goes against the show rings making them all look alike. Fortunately, within some of our more popular breeds, there's breeders out there that are have strong opinions, and they're going to breed for what they want, irregardless of what's going on in the show ring. And I think because of that, there's maybe not as much of an influx of crossbreeding coming in into cattle right now into the, what we call the pure breeds or the full bloods as there was at, at one time. So that, that's, that's intriguing to me. It's almost taking care of itself where you're, you're just not going to see quite as much of that. And consequently, I, I know the topic has been brought up or the, when I was researching this a little bit, I had people, when I explained to them what the National Swine Register is doing in terms of breed purity, they said, well, why don't we do that in the cattle side? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's an extra cost or, or whatever. You could, you could give a lot of reasons or excuses if you wanted to go that direction. But I think a lot of the rules and a lot of the decisions that are made, it just happens to be who's setting on that board of influence of that association at that given time when it's brought up or not allowed to be brought up even. So it's interesting to me that, that maybe the cattle at this point, to my knowledge, haven't, haven't taken on this breed purity thing, but maybe they don't need to because we are, we are going in a direction that I, I, maybe I'm being naive, but I, I don't think it's there as much as it once was. Ryan, your, your thoughts is it is crossbreeding still coming into play into our purebreds like it once was. I don't think it's as prevalent as it maybe once was. I think it's still there. 
And I'll be honest with you. And again, this is going to get me more hate mail. So this is going to be the greatest episode ever. But like the reason that I don't think the cattle people are doing what the hog people are doing is because I think they would be absolutely embarrassed and shocked to see how far off we are. How far off in regards to what? Well, you're saying that they hug people. Did oh, I, 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 you, I see in terms of your, your purity test. You don't yeah. want to know the truth. God, yeah, I, they don't want to know. Yeah, I apologize. Or they don't want visual. the world to know. No, and, and, and I can assure you there's no question when we try to make the Angus cattle big, the Kiania, the Holsteins, they're there. They they are absolutely there. Even with parentage testing right now, once it's there, it's there. You're not getting rid of it. But if you went to what the National Swine Register is doing, that that may upset the apple cart a little bit. I know within the Angus breed, there was some some talk about, well, we're, we, we have quite a bit of white showing up in front of the navel and, and things like that. And there's controversy. Should we allow it and change the rules or should we not? There's a lot of those those things going on that will continue. And it's it's going to be up to those board members at that time. What what they do or or do not allow. So it, it's interesting to me, but I, I don't see as much. That doesn't mean that there's still not opportunity and it's not possible. And if it's possible and somebody can capitalize on it, it's probably happening at, at some level. I just think it's probably a little bit less than maybe it was at, at one time is is my my assumption anyway. And maybe I'm just being naive. And the fact that we have percentage programs in, in a lot of the breeds. So that they then they can just register them. And what's good about those? I think that percentage programs increase registration numbers, which increases dollars to the association. I think it increases divisions at the show. So more kids have more chances of getting a buckler or a banner in, in a given division. So it's not a bad thing. It's it's interesting to me just, just discussing how it's evolved and, and maybe where it's at. And I know we're running long, and I know our producer Clifton has, has uh, some time restraints, but you know what? species we really haven't dove into very hard yours sheep of the world not goats there is i can talk about goats but there really isn't i dairy goats have their breeds boar goats are supposed to or meat goats are, are boar goats and are sarcastic god our kentucky meat goats but i was going to mention goats a little bit ryan because somebody asked me is there such a thing as a pure boar goat or a full blood we show full bloods wow. but guess what when they came over here ryan what were they breeding them to I'm not even. They, I was not involved. They were. They were. Ex, they were stupid expensive. I think you're. Your oh no, we had it. them. They were stupid <laughs> expensive, but I was not involved. So I think they were taking the boar bucks and breeding them to dairy, breeding them to anything, Spanish, anything they could. And oh, we uh, had a lot of them Spanish ones. I promise. <laughs> so we had a lot of them. I because they were so expensive initially, they got bred to so many things. I'm not saying there wasn't some of those South African pure genetics that maybe. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know if, if there is a true pure boar in this country. I'm sure you could bring maybe a recent import from, from South Africa where they're not I would be about skeptical about there being a pure one. They, they don't look anything like the original South Africa boar. No. So maybe maybe that would tell us that no. yeah, they're probably not there. Okay, let's, let's go into the sheep thing. They'll smell as bad. <laughs> market market sheep in Texas, all classified. Market animals, all classified. Right, Ryan? Yes, 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 yes. Um, we see classification up here. We here's a good example, and we're going to talk about the market side of sheep first. Uh, Louisville, the last two years, or at least a couple years ago, they classified the suffix, maybe all the breeds, in the ring. When the judge would pull them and go to, go to the scale, they would. The suffix the classification scale. at Louisville has been referred to as the Hunger Games. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> the biggest the biggest crowd around the ring is when that's going on. Mm-hmm. Cheering yes, when one it. of them makes it. One out of ten, maybe. Literally. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. So that 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 is interesting, and and it is a classification. You know what? And we we really haven't talked a lot about classification, but there's there's been talk of a sheep association that was gonna gonna remake the whole sheep registry, and they were gonna just basically start off with classifications. It, I don't care about your papers. I want them to look a certain way. And right now, and similar in some of the swine breeds, and similar if we go back in history in all species. Guess what we, the only proof we had to have that it was a purebred Papers. or to register. Yeah. You have to have a, a paper from, from a purebred sire and a paper from a purebred dam. And guess what? You, you've got a purebred offspring, even if that offspring maybe wasn't out of that sire or dam, they just took your word for it. They assumed you're being honest. I believe, and I, I'm not that familiar. I think in, in almost all of the sheep breeds right now, that's still how it is. And some of our hog breeds, that's still how it is. And technically. In the cattle, it's still how it is, but if you want to market and, and get a premium for your cattle, you're probably doing a little more testing. And so it, it's interesting to me. So on the market side of sheep, they're all classified. Maybe we should do some of that classification. Like in the north, it's usually papers if you're showing a purebred heifer, not a classification. I'm assuming heifers would have papers in Texas as well, Ryan. Just yeah, not there the is market. no class there there is no classification for breeding it's animals. Just, it's just all papers. Yep. So if you have a paper and that thing looks nothing like its breed, it still shows? Yes. Okay. Now you get protested, but okay. I mean <laughs> got it. Um like, and, and that happens a lot in our state. I'm not gonna lie. It happens and and I can use Illinois State Fair as an example. If you're showing a breed steer, there is no classification and in, in the breed steer. It's just you provide the papers and it's that breed. And again, if it doesn't look like that breed, you you may get protested and, and complaints, but nothing ever ever seems to happen. And in it, and as long as it wasn't, I, I don't know if you don't have those parents to go back and DNA, it's pretty pretty hard to to prove those things. So on the market side of sheep, they're all classified, and I'm assuming some weather dams and and even some breeding sheep shows may be classified. But you do have what we call the registered breeding sheep or more commonly referred to as frame sheep that the only place I really ever see. I'm not saying nothing about the frame sheep people because I'm getting enough hate mail off this episode already. I, I spent some time with the frame sheep people this year, some good friends of mine. I'm, I'm all in on the frame sheep people and we've maybe, I think we caught a little heat for not using the frame sheep champ. Irregardless. I, I like the frame sheep people and I appreciate what they're doing. Especially, I don't know them. I don't know them to like them, just like them. (laughs) So, we we have frame sheep that are slick shorn, classified in in wool or fitted. And those fitted frame sheep, I mean, they're monsters, monsters. And they're they're so good at carving them out to make them look like whatever they want that body shape to look like. And and it's pretty amazing. But I mean, they're all so, so big. It's incredible. On the South Downs, there is some genetic information, I believe, during registration. And maybe, maybe I got the wrong information. I was talking to an individual about it, and they say all the they're going almost to the other extreme, where I don't think that we need to do so many tests that it costs a fortune to register. But they they're saying it costs in excess of a couple hundred dollars to register. I believe a South Down because of the spider gene test and this test and that test and all those. I, I can't imagine that anybody's hardly registering anything. And South Downs are, are currently one of the more popular breeds. So we, we can definitely go go too far with it. Do I think we should base our, our 
breed divisions or breed purity solely off of somebody signing a paper? Probably not. Chase, Ryan? Yeah, I, I'm just saying I'd, 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 that paper sometimes is not worth the paper it's printed on, maybe. But what what do Chase, I Chase, does that, does that make sense to you that some of the, like in, in Suffolk sheep, to my knowledge, all you have to do is have a, say it's out of this sire and this dam that are registered and it's automatically registered. Do you think that's a good idea? Honestly, the sheep people would probably get into a riot if they were forced to actually play straight. But I think it's what you got to do if you want to conserve these pure breeds. Because to me, my biggest issue is they're bringing in these other breeds into purebred show rings and crossing them up. If you have, if you want to have a crossbred animal, take it to the crossbred ring. Don't bring it to that purebred ring and try and stomp on these purebreds that are trying to play by the rules. Except my Berkshires. Y'all keep doing exactly what you're doing. I love you people. Y'all just rock on with your Berkshires. They're fine. Take them to the crossbred ring. I don't care. But I don't, I, I guess we have, the, they'd have to come over to the weather side of the commercial show. I don't think frame sheep have a commercial show. Ryan, are you aware? No, I don't think they do either. But we have a crossbred or a weather dam show, whatever you want to call it, over on the market lamb side. So I guess they, they would have to, to migrate over there. But in, in agreement with Chase, I mean, those, those sheep at Louisville, I, 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 I'm not saying that every breeder out there is crossbreeding their sheep. They may be purchasing sheep from others that have already been crossbred. But there are very, very few when I walk through the barn that I can say without much hesitation, that is 99%. Southdown or 99% Suffolk or Hampshire or whatever it may be. Even the Dorpers are, are so crossed up right now. It's crazy. Um, so we're, again, we're going- I ain't putting words in Dale or Chase's mouth, but what they're saying is what I was told when I was a small child, that the sheep people taught the cattle people how to cheat. That's what they're saying. They didn't say Ryan, it, but I'm saying it for them. Ryan, I'll never disagree with you on that. I'm just saying. So Chase, you're, you're disappointed when you got to Louisville and you actually studied those those sheep breeds. I disappointed is the wrong word. It just throws me through a loop. (laughs) Because to me, it's just that you're taking these crossbred animals, like I said, into a purebred ring and you're going to destroy anyone who comes there with another purebred. And that encourages everyone to bring. Yeah, right now, Chase, it's gotten to that point where it's no longer are you stomping everyone because guess what? Everyone's crossbred. Yes. And now you've lost that purebred gene pool that you were trying to maintain in the first place with an entirely separate class. So maybe we should just have one show, no breeds, just throw them all together. I mean, I feel like there should be some classes for people who bring purebreds to the ring, but I feel like you got to throw all those people who have some pretty clear crossed up animals. If you're a, if, if, if there's a purebred Dorset breeder out there or Southdown, whatever, and they, they've gone, they've had their own line for 50 years. So they know every time you go out and buy one, you're taking a chance that, that the lat one's likely been crossed up somewhere in its pedigree. But if you had your own from 50 some years or however long you needed to, to keep them pure before they started crossing up a lot. And I'm sure it's been as long as the sheep had been domesticated or breeds existed. And you took those animals to the show ring right now, Chase, if you take a South down of traditional characteristics, I'm going to go back to some of the pictures. I remember seeing my brother and sister raising South downs. They, they washed them in my parents or our, our basement of our house in the wintertime going to the, the North American or the international in Chicago. I mean, here's a yearling South down you, and she wasn't much over knee high. Where's that thing? That, that thing would be nursing off those, those South downs in the show ring today. It wouldn't work. That's what I'm getting at chase. All right. All right. 
Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't work just because they, they, they would be so different. There, There's no way that you can think about it. If you have a judge in there that says, okay, South Downs, and Chase, you brought this up to me. When you read their traditional characteristics, Chase, what's it say about them? Small, what, the maternal instinct? Yeah. They're just you, good across the board? Yeah, that they had strong character, muscle, good maternal, low feed costs. And if you have a judge that comes in there and says, okay, I want to run three South Downs to every Suffolk U, and that that's going to make me more money because those three th- South Downs require as much pasture as one big Suffolk. There's logic in that, and that makes sense if it's profitable. But right now, I don't, I don't, I think you could run any breed out there together, and there's just not that much difference. They're all in a, a similar category in terms of size and assumably then where maintenance requirements are. I don't know if there's if there's a solution. And and again, I guess as we we are going way long, as we kind of wind down and summarize this. I, I thought it was an interesting topic. I, I knew Chase would would want to want to sit in on this one, and, and Ryan was all on board for it. And certainly did not mean to offend anybody or point fingers at any breed associations or species. But I think it's good just to open our eyes and and look what's out there in front of us and be realistic about it. That wow, this black gene has taken over the cattle side. That should maybe give us a little bit of a clue that maybe not everything's as it seems or exactly as it is, just be aware of it. Doesn't mean we need to change it. Doesn't mean we could fix it if we wanted to. Same thing in the sheep, same thing with Ryan's really trendy looking Berkshires that have nearly no Berkshire in them. It just is what Shush. it is right now. <laughs> not Shush. good, not bad. Hush. None of, Leave none of those my beloved Berkshire pigs alone, damn it. You I just would, quit meddling. I'm going to make a call to Dr. Skaggs and find out he would remember that breeder that you went to. And I'm, oh, I'm, I promise. I remember the breeder. I'm just not putting the breeder's name well, out I, on the podcast. Okay. I would like to know because there's value in those genetics. I would like to source some of those genetics. Uh, for the- Again, if I'd had a weapon of mass destruction, them some bitches have been <laughs> dead that night. <laughs> okay. In conclusion, Chase Ryan, you have in anything conclusion. to in conclusion, an hour and 21 minutes later of what we're talking about, my beginning of the topic, there is no such thing as brief purity, is the in conclusion. Thank you. It could have been like lovely little podcasts about <laughs> me hating the Democrats and like me saying whatever. But I, in all seriousness, I, I, I do think there's a lot of truth to what I say, that there's no such thing as brief purity anymore. I do think that it is something that nobody talks about. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. And I thought that's why it's a good topic. And I, I I like putting things out there for other people to discuss amongst themselves. And uh, again, uh, we're not bashing anybody or any breed or any species or anything like that. But these things are, this is just what it is. And whether you want it to be the way it is or you like Chase and you want it to go back to where we'd get more breed purity in, I, I mean, but unless we talk about it and admit that maybe there is a bigger issue about this than what, you know, we want to like admit, then nothing's going to change either way, whether, and so, uh, that's why I thought it was a good topic. And I, I, I do think it's a good topic and I hope it does get people discussing amongst themselves. But, um, you know, I, I, again, as, as far as, I mean, we we raised Charlays, we raised Herefords, we have crossbreds, whatever. I, I've I've probably raised an animal in almost every single cattle breed that ever hit a show ring at some point or another. 
through my junior show career and all this other stuff, I, I think that most people do what they do to be the most profitable, the most successful, whatever, and all that other stuff. And again, it, it, I, I don't know how the lines got blurred in the other species as much as I do the cattle, but it can all, I, I, or I can take it mostly back in the cattle because once you, I tell people all the time that like in terms of ethics and all this other stuff, like once you put your little toe across that line, it's a lot easier to take another step and another step and another step and another step. <laughs> uh, but, I can trace it back to when we, the the origins of this, it, like I said earlier, is when we decided that everything needed to be black. And from then on, I, I think, again, just like I said, once you do one thing that maybe might be questionable to some, it's a lot easier to do it the next time. So there you go. And it continues. Chase, any conclusions? Would you like one? all, if y'all need my email to send all the hate mail to me, I'm fine with it. Thank you. I will post it later for you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Chase. Yes, sir. Anything you'd like to, to leave the, the audience with on this topic before we go to question and answer? For me, I feel like breed conservancy is a very important thing to do to keep these very unique and important traits that have been bred for for generations in some breeds that could just be lost in a couple generations of show ring crossbreeding because you want to turn this thing that's had some unique great traits about it just into an average frame sheep then you pass that off to the next guy who's looking for that unique trait and all he's got is a frame sheep so i feel like it's very important to conserve these breeds and that's about where i'm going to leave it off well i i appreciate your concern but it ain't ever going to happen Sorry. Oh, you <laughs> hey Temple Grand or Temple Grandin advocates for it. She is a proud endorser of the Livestock Conservancy Association. I didn't even know there was one. Yes, it focuses on the most buck wild heritage breeds out there, ranging from poultry to cattle to goats to swine and just Well, I, I suggest you give them a, a large donation monetarily to keep them alive. Well here's the thing, they'll give you premiums, young like youth exhibitors, they'll give them premiums for exhibiting heritage breeds. Interesting. Okay. And they'll get dead ass last in class. But next, <laughs> moving on. Their entry and all their expenses go into the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get a premium from somewhere. Okay, question and answer time. First two questions I, I got in a little bit of a rush. And Tyler submitted two questions, so I just pulled them both off of there. They were the most recent questions, probably from today, even. I, I don't know when he submitted them. So here's a question for Ryan and Dale. Do you guys ask pedigrees of animals at the backdrop? Do you think it's appropriate to do so? Uh, I do not think it's inappropriate to do it. I don't. Uh, but it has nothing to do with inappropriate. I mean, you know, this kind of ties into this topic because uh, not just breed purity, but again, and I, I'm not throwing shade here at people, but like a lot of times, when you purchase this animal, you were told it was this or whatever, and it may not be that, whether, and all this other stuff. So, and in the end, it didn't matter what it is because it won. I, and I didn't ask, you know, is this a, you know, Fu Manchu or anything else in the ring? I'd use that animal or that Burke or whatever because I liked it the best. And so, in the end, I don't care what it is. So, I, I never ask, and it drives Daddy James in 
saint. Let me tell you this. Oh my God, I'll come home. And he's like the Facebook king. And he'd be like, hey, that steer that you used last week in Chillicothe, what was he? Day James, same thing. I don't know because I didn't ask. But so I, I, I very, if, if, if it is a, I will say because I do for day, like if there's a Hereford that's made the top five, sometimes I ask them what bull that's out of. So, cause I know Daddy James is going to quiz me on it, but I am never asking for my personal knowledge. I do not think there is anything inappropriate with judges asking that though, because again, a lot of them are breeders and brokers and whatever, and they like this one. They use that one and they may want to breed to that bull because it raised one they like. So I don't think there's anything inappropriate with it. I do not ask. When I find a unique one, and again, not until the show's over, but at the backdrop, I I will ask whether it be goats, lamb, whatever. It doesn't matter what the species, but I, I will find myself asking at the backdrop. So in the second part of the question, I don't think it's inappropriate. Do I think it's inappropriate to ask during the show or before the Supreme Drive? Yes, it needs to be after the fact. No, it needs to be. If you're going to ask, it needs to be after the show. I mean, that that's like, <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing as like, when you're taking reasons at the judging contest, you don't ask them what school they're from. Now, afterwards, when it's all said and done, you might go find your high set person and say, hey, you gave me a high set. Where are you from? They'd be like, tell you the college. And that's fine. But no, it needs to happen after the show. It would be inappropriate to ask in the ring. But asking after all the dust is settled, I don't think there's anything inappropriate with that whatsoever. I just don't. And I, and I will say there have been times Again, I, I've said this on the podcast. I think backdrop situations are the most awkward, tense, worst part of the job. So, like, <laughs> I mean, maybe sometimes I have the, hey, what's this? What? Just, just, like, make a moment less tense. But it is not because I am genuinely interested. I will just say that. Well, that's nice to know. Yeah. Very nice to know. Okay, Tyler's Come second on. question gives you a little bit of a break here. It's addressed to me. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. And I almost didn't put it on there because of that. But when judging goats and you see a Hummel scrapey tag, are you, <laughs> are you are you particularly hard on this animal since you raised it or you judge it the same way you would judge any other goat? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go further. I don't. Illinois scrapey tags are white and a lot of states are white. I guess we can get them. In you a, have your very own scrapey's tag? Yeah, you have to you have to order your scrapey tags now and you but can put it says Hummel livestock. No, it, uh, you can you can put so Hummel, you don't have a Hummel scrapey's tag. We we know you can get them. You can get and we had we have had some of the during the this supply. Is how much I pay attention to tags, people. Yeah, okay. we, we, anyway, we've had both. We have standard scrapey tags. We have some that it's very small and a lot of breeders will have it on there. They're actual HL or Hummel or, or whatever. So you you can and and you do have your specific number. Your I don't know the first. I got a scrapey tag maybe in the drawer. The first few numbers on the scrapey tag are going to identify your farm or your premise. So you if if you want to look at every scrapey tag and look at those numbers, you could you could decide yeah that that's maybe from our farm. So you can do that. But guess what? Sometimes you don't have to worry about looking at the scrapey tag because we got a great big old green Hummel tag that that comes in the ring. And and I've I've judged shows and and those have come in. And a lot of times buyers will ask me, are, are you okay if we bring that? I said, you're probably fine in showmanship. I would prefer that you didn't show it to me in the regular show. But in some situations where maybe those exhibitors only go to a couple shows, you, you don't really want them to not be able to go. But in an ideal world, it works much better if, if you're not showing anything 
that that breeder raised that happens to be judging that show. And that that's difficult. A, a national show. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's a complicated situation, but to go back to your question, there is no question. And I, I I'm sure I've hurt feelings of buyers and, and very good families, but I am, I believe myself to be considerably harder on those that we raised than the ones that are not. I am going to take up for Dale in this instance and tell you that he is considerably harder on the ones that he raised because there have been, uh, I mean, we haven't judged a like ton of goat shows together, but we have judged several. And like, again, I don't pay attention to tags, but anyway, like when show's over, he'll be like, we'll be talking about stuff or where he's like, yeah, I put that one third. And like, well, you're dumb. He's like, well, I raised Oh. It. I remember this situation early yeah. on. You were judging hogs or something. I'm on the other ring judging goats. And afterwards, yeah. you pretty much you pretty much called me everything but an intelligent person. Yeah, and then you're like, "Well, we raised that one." I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember that. That's a good goat. I, that yeah, that was a very good. Yeah, goat. and you put it third. Yeah, he got beat. I don't remember where I put it, but it did not win. No. Um, but so I'm going to take over and tell you that he is absolutely harder on those things but and i would also like to add that i think dale does tell people for the most part not to show to him and all that other stuff and i think that more breeders and more brokers that judge shows should do the same thing Uh, and especially if it's a jackpot show like i get if dale was judging louisville or something you know whatever you know like that but if it's a jackpot show you can find another jackpot show to take your humble goat to or go to another one next weekend. And that's the same for anybody. Like, just don't go show to that person that sold you that animal or bred that animal if it's a jackpot show. And I, that just cut and dried as far as I, I, I I'm just telling you. It's pretty just simple cut and dried. For you. Yeah, cut and dried. So, yeah. There so are that's... other options. There are other things that where it makes it more difficult. Junior nationals, state fairs, what all those things. But if it is just a jackpot show, no, it's cut and dried. Don't show. And and just for the record, if you do show one to me, just just know I'm I'm gonna be a little harder on it. So don't please don't don't be that offended. It just is what it is, and you need to know that that going into it. But in an ideal world, you just you hope when you go to judge a show that you don't have any of those show up. And sometimes if they take that that humble tag out, and I I mean you could bring one of our scrapey tags in, and I promise you I'm not gonna notice it. Do I notice a certain look or a certain type? But when we sell hundreds of goats. I'm probably not going to, there, there's going to be a lot of them I don't remember. If you take all the tags out or put a different scrapey tag in, even though you're not supposed to, and even even with our scrapey tag in there, there's going to be some that show under me that I'm sure I'm unaware that it was even one of ours. Um, I so think that's the situation. I, I think it's real funny because like when I judge goat shows, I'll call Dale after the show and I'll be like, so I think three of them showed, three of your goats showed today. And he's like, why did, and I, I don't look at tags, but like there are identifying traits among a humble show goat. And so, like, I don't have to look at him. Like, that one was real shaggy legged and dark pointed. And yeah, I think, damn, I think he had three show today. He's like, you didn't look. The, how, did you check to see? He's like, no, but I just think there was three. <laughs> did you ask at the backdrop? No, no. no. And uh, more times I'm right than not. He he doesn't like to admit that, but I'm I'm not always aware of what's showing where. But that is interesting when when it when when they do show up and I'm totally un- unaware of it and I I get nothing from Ryan. The final question comes from Jackie, and this ties right into our topic, and I've actually been saving this one, and, and for the most part, we've already answered it, but we'll throw it out there again. When judging, Maybe I'll have a different answer this time. Well, you know what? Maybe we should make Chase answer this one first. Oh, good. We'll let Chase, Chase, this is all yours. You ready? 
All right. And we've talked to you about doing a little livestock judging. You've kind of fought it a little bit, but when judging, do you take into consideration breed type or their breed character when placing a class of cattle, sheep, or hogs? Take that into consideration, I guess, in terms of where you place them. I've done a couple livestock judging contests, and I'll a be couple. honest. Yeah. Emphasis on a couple, Ryan. Yeah, mm-hmm. very few. And they'll hand me a class, and I'll be honest, I've never thought twice about what the breed's supposed to look like, because I think I haven't judged a class since I really learned what the breeds are supposed to look like traditionally. And I'll say I have never thought about it, but going forward, if I was handed what they, if they told me I was supposed to judge a purebred Southdown class and I saw something bigger than a Columbia, to me, I'm not going to want that animal to take first if this is supposed to be a purebred Southdown, but I think I'm still going to place it rightfully. If it's the best animal in that class, I'm going to place it the best animal in that class because, like Ryan says, it's not me who's deciding if this thing's Lord, I was scared there oh, for a moment. I was hopeful the I other sweat, direction. I was sweating bullets over here. Because to me, oh. I want to make change on that level of when they get or before they get into the ring. If a kid's already gotten into this ring, I'm I can't just tear it away from them on the grounds that the show made a bad decision putting them in that class. Lord, thank God, Chase, you have some common sense. I was the most scared there for a minute. I sweat bullets over here. <laughs> I thought but, you were going to use that little traditional South that I was hopeful. Oh, no, no, no. Terrible idea. But, and like, to answer this person, and I think this is not, I mean, I, I get Jace's answer and I agree with it and whatever. And, like, you have to judge what's out there and all this other stuff. But, like, I, I tell people in Grand Drives all the time that one of the three things that I pay attention to in a Grand Drive is, like, how good is that one for their breed? Like, which one that's in that lineup would be the most competitive at a national show of just whatever that breed is. So, like, when you take that in consideration, I do. I think that is part of it, yeah. But, I mean, again, when you are asked to judge a show, unless it is glaring, like, when I mean glaring, like, you know, a black and white one being in an Angus Deer class, it's pretty difficult to, you know, say, because, again, whatever the rules were that showed that animal and that exhibitor ended up in that class. Agreed. And, and you're putting it back. If they don't, if they don't want you to use them, don't let them come in the class. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like don't send it in there, but (laughs) well, this is one of our longer episodes, Ryan chase. Thank you. And chase it. It is dark in Illinois. It is raining and it's pretty cold. And I'm pretty sure you still have to feed lots, pal. Oh boy. This is going to be fun. Yep. It's all, all good. Ryan. I think he should get, a reprieve since he was on the podcast and you should make somebody else. There is nobody else here. It's he and I, and, and I'm not doing it. Well, <laughs> just, just that says get one of those cat be, people to do it. They're gone. The younger sisters in practice They're Yeah. It's, it's they were just Chase and I and some dogs and some goats. No joke, Cause I was driving in the gate. Last Wait. cat person was leaving. I have a great idea. <laughs> Go ahead. You can train Rue to do it. <laughs> Rue, Rue, Rue's inside the barn where it's warm and dry. He, he's, he's not even roaming tonight. Uh, well, fine. Okay, Chase, you're out of luck. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I tried. Thank you for trying. Okay, thank you guys. Until next week, be safe. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>